Hey guys, Will Durst here, and you're listening to Vicki Abelson's The Road Taken. Hi, I'm Vicki Abelson. I wrote a book called Don't Jump. Andy Stone is my heroine, and she was addicted to everything pretty much except heroin. Oh my God, oh yes! She just totally captures the excitement of, of rock stars. And famous athletes and famous comedians. Sort of an insider's view from the outside. The warmth and wit of Vicky's writing knocked me out. In, in a good way, not, not like Cosby. Too soon? Vicky wrote a book? Vicki Abelson's long-awaited new book, Don't Jump, is finally here. Don't miss it. Available on Amazon. Quick Impressions is a full-service commercial printer with pricing that competes with online wholesalers. The difference is their customer service. From business cards, envelopes, brochures, to mailers, presentation folders, DVD and CD packaging, cartons, signs, to calendars, and I've used them for just about all of those things myself, including the galleys and bookmarks and signature plates for my own book, and custom-designed tissue boxes and notepads and labels for women who write. They've done it all. Um, and I ain't easy to please, as you well know, DJ. And they always blow me away. The quality of their work is stellar, and they're the nicest people ever. That's Quick Impressions. Hold the C. Quick. Q-U-I-K. Ask for Rick, but that does have a C. And then tell them that Vicky sent you, which also has a C. And they will love you up. You can find them at quickimpressions.com for all your printing needs. Welcome to Vicki Abelson's broadcast, The Road Taken, Celebrity Maps to Success. Vicki's the creator and host of the renowned celebrity-driven literary salon, Women Who Write, and the author of Amazon bestseller, Don't Jump. Here's Vicki. Hey, DJ, how you doing? Good, how are you? You know, oh, I'm a lot of things. Um... I don't want, you know, I normally say, hey, I- I'm good, I'm okay. <laughs> I don't really feel good. I don't really feel okay. It, it feels really weird because Wheezy's not with us tonight. Yeah. Um, she's not with us because she's on her way to Washington, D.C. And um, Wild place to be right now. It will be a wild place to be on Saturday, that's for sure, Friday yeah. too. Yeah. Um, I, for those of you listening at home, uh, all of you are listening at home. Oh, well, you might not be listening not. at home. You might be listening in your car. You might be listening at the gym. You might be listening at work, you naughty, naughty children. But mm. anyway, um, today is um, Wednesday, January 18th, and it is two days before. I, I can't even say that it's like the inauguration. Uh. It's like sacrilege to me. I, I refuse to acknowledge that this person is going to be sworn in as president. I... It's 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 very it's, surreal. It's a tough uh, tough pill to swallow. It, it's I still keep waiting for that last moment reprieve when we're going to find out because of all of the stuff with Russia that they're going to they're going to call the whole thing a foul and they're going to say we're going to have a new election and we're just going to keep Barack in there for another year yeah. while people campaign and figure it out. Um, the odds of that happening, I guess, are really kind of slim. Uh, I I hate to say that. I think. So much crap has come out about him that I don't think it matters. Well, I, that, I def- that's sad to say. I, well, I think that it, he's definitely going to be impeached. I don't, I don't think there, I, there's like no doubt of, he's never going to get through this presidency. I, I can't see it. I think he'll either four years of it. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, he's either going to get impeached. He's going to quit. Um, something. Somebody's going to. Something's going to happen. <laughs> I just don't believe we're going to have four years of it. The problem for me, for most of us, is that. 
the alternative is not a whole lot better. Um, mm. Pence is a pretty scary guy. And yeah. he, at least he's more qualified for a political position, a job, than Trump is. But I can't even believe I said his name. I, like, never say his name. It's like, <laughs> the man, I, I will not speak of him. I will not give him any publicity. I will we not. Can, we can beep out his name. Yeah, let's <laughs> beep. Um, but, the you know, I, I don't know that Pence is, is any kind of any kind of better uh, as far as uh, – policy and what would happen in this world with him at the yeah, helm. Not much better. Um, except for he wouldn't be quite probably as as quick on the button, on the trigger, yeah. um, and have a little more sense about taking time to do things. I mean, this whole thing with the, the Affordable Health Care Act is absolutely mind-boggling and shocking to me that I, 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 didn't, I didn't have... Um, uh, Obamacare, and I was paying for regular insurance mm. for me and my kids. Not that I can afford to. I mean, I was in a, a financial position where I was eligible, um, but it was all co- it was too complicated to even think about. So I just did my regular insurance, and this year, my regular insurance was going it was going up almost thirty five percent. I was like, no, this is now insane. Mm. You know, thirteen hundred dollars for me and two kids is craziness. Yeah. So I actually got on um, covered California. And mm-hmm. my insurance agent was saying, and, and I was doing all of that during the election process. And he said, don't worry, no matter what happens, they can't do anything for at least a year. Mm-hmm. I, I promise you. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing that we didn't like bet money. Yeah, right. Um, although I would be in the plus column on that, not that I'd want to be. But this is shocking to me that, that they're trying to... And it looks like they are succeeding in ramrodding things through mm-hmm. without having anything to replace it with and just going to fuck everybody in the fucking country. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are people that are going to die. People that are going to die. For this pre-existing condition thing is mm-hmm. just not, this is not, this is not okay. You know, and for me, I think this whole presidency, this whole party thing that's going on there is just completely driven by finances. There is nothing but money mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in their Absolutely thinking. Agree. Absolutely nothing but money yeah. driven. And so there is no conscience. There's no conscience. Mm-hmm. So I um are you gonna be are you gonna are you cur- are you gonna watch the inauguration? What's your plan? Um <sighs> probably not. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm back and forth on it mm-hmm. because I you know it's, you know, it's almost like the um, the car wreck you can't look away from yeah. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't want to support it in any way. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm gonna I'm gonna be just completely, you know, uh, uh, a wave of of all the highlights, if you want to call them that, um, are gonna be all over Facebook and whatnot. So I know I'm gonna see all the ridiculous things said and done and right we definitely i'm definitely so, gonna play feel, I'll, I'll definitely be reading about things yeah. i'm gonna try not to even support the videos i don't want i don't plan on watching the i don't want to hear a speech i'll read it but yeah. i don't want to i don't want to watch it i don't want to watch the performances of scott bayo or whoever else they're getting to perform <laughs> <laughs> people were saying uh the boom box refused to appear at uh, <laughs> so you know i i don't know i don't know what's going to happen with that but for me i just I don't like, I won't, I don't try not to say his name. Mm. It's not, it doesn't take a lot of effort to just discount his existence. I don't want, but I was reading that 
um, it's important for us to turn on our TVs and turn it to a station that is not carrying the inauguration. Right. Otherwise, show. it's not counted. The, yeah, yeah. Right? To show you went elsewhere, not just exactly yeah. that. You know, we have to show in huge, in millions and millions and millions of numbers. And prefer to watch commercials. I prefer to right. I prefer to watch cartoons yeah. than the cartoon buffoon who will yeah. soon be our king. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I'm not going to be doing that. But I am going to be um, marching in my pink pussy cap. Yeah. On yeah. Saturday, I, I got my pink pussy cap yesterday. Uh, Peggy Flynn did uh, <laughs> me a cap because it's not my strength. I'm I'm working on my signage because I I can't figure out which way to go. I'm I'm I'm, I'm torn between two. One is um, this is too terrible to be funny, mm. and that really feels very authentic yeah. to me. Um, and the other one is, uh, this was great, this Polish woman marching in Poland against uh, abortion. She's probably in her 80s carrying a sign that says, I can't believe I still have to protest this fucking shit. <laughs> 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 that is, if that's not me, I don't know what uh, is. But so I'm, I'm thinking of that one. So I might have a two side. But, you yeah. know, I also, you know, you're not allowed to carry sticks. You know, I, I don't want to carry a sign for like eight hours. Mm. I so I was trying to think if I could put one on my head, you know, on a headband or yeah. wear a sandwich board, but then it's not in the air and somebody, you're not allowed to put it on a stick. And I'm thinking, so somebody said, you know, you can attach like an oven mitt and like stick your hand in it. Mm. You still have to hold it up. Yeah. Um, it's supposed to rain maybe. And, you know, that makes signage kind of messy. And, yeah. Uh, I don't think it's going to rain. I, I really think that the universe is going to smile on this day and us. Yeah. Um, I'm looking, I'm hoping so, but whatever it is, it is. Um, but I, the thing that's... Uh, well, the apocalypse happens the day before, so... <laughs> yeah. Whatever so weather we is might, left we, over. Right. We might not have to worry about anything because it might all... The, this might be the end of... Hell might freeze over uh, and that might exactly be what... <laughs> that's a good point. Uh, we might not be waking up Saturday morning. Um, but for me, I, I'm 61 and the last time I marched was in the early 70s. I started marching in, I think it was 1968. I was 13 years old. I marched on Washington against the war in Vietnam. I can't believe that I was there. Uh, it was one of the most impactful days of my life. And um, I continued to march regularly um, through high school because in those days we were marching against the war still and mm -hmm. we were marching for civil rights and for uh, African-American rights, for women's rights. Yeah, same, um, same stuff. And oh my God, <laughs> fucking, we're still fucking marching for the same fucking shit. I mean, that is just mm. crazy to me that we have rolled, that this administration is going to roll back mm -hmm. time 50 years. Yeah. Oh my God. How is this even possible that this can be happening? Um, and then all those people that voted for him that didn't realize what they were doing because mm -hmm. there's a lot of a lot of them yeah. that that now are waking up to the reality of what they what they voted for because a lot of people were voting against Hillary right right yeah a lot of people were voting specific oh you know my Ob because of Obamacare I'm paying more for health insurance yeah mm -hmm. well think about what you're going to be paying in a few months for yeah. that health insurance mm -hmm. but anyway um, yeah uh, at the same time that it's terrifying. And in the for the long haul, the one good thing 
to me that's come out of this is the connectedness and the activism that it's brought out in so many people mm-hmm. um which I think is important. I think apathy is a very dangerous thing. It's how Hitler came to power. Mm. You know, it's like when everybody gets too comfortable, and I think I, for one, was too comfortable. I wasn't really standing up and fighting for the things that were important to me. Right. You know, I sign a petition, throw a few dollars, sure. oh, you know, open my mouth on social media, but I wasn't standing up and being counted, and I wasn't hitting the streets, yeah. and I wasn't making, f- I make phone calls. You know, yeah. I get directed to make calls, I make the calls. You know, I, I send the emails. I, mm-hmm. um, I do feel like it's a necessity to be part of the solution, that there is no other option. And, you know, there are millions of people who feel that way, thank God. And, and hopefully, um, do you think we can have any impact? Do you, think there's ho- do you think there's hope? What do you think? Yeah, I have to. I have to right? have hope. Yeah. Um, I don't know how quick the 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 wave the up wave mm-hmm. of of goodness can come can't come soon enough but uh eventually yeah something I mean, something good he, will come of this to hear evan tell it when evan handler was here a couple of weeks ago and he was saying that <laughs> this isn't going to impact the next four years the next eight years this is going to fuck everything up for the rest of our lives i refused i can't go yeah, there i <laughs> a lot of people think that though. i know um no i i don't think that though mm-hmm. um I don't know if that's a refusal or just I really think that, but I won't think that. Right, and and that does us no good. I mean, yeah. that we can't, how do we move forward if that's our thinking? I'd, I'd like to think that this is just a prime example of how not to do things, kind mm-hmm. of one of those scenarios. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's got to get a little worse before it gets better to really mm-hmm. hit. The country needs to hit rock bottom before it gets... I, I think this is what, what's <laughs> called in the rooms a bottom. Half. For people who are unaware of, of, of uh, drunks and addicts and everything, you know, there has to be a bottom before there can be a recovery. Uh-huh. So uh, if this is not a bottom, I do not know what it... God forbid it should get yeah. any lower than this. But I'm curious, DJ, because, like, I, you know, I, we are of different generations by a couple. We're separated by mm. a few generations. And, you know, I got to live through that, the 60s, which... You know, for all of that horrible stuff that was going on, the Vietnam War and, and, you know, the fight for civil rights and all of that, there was also, you know, the summer of love. Yeah, and there free was, love. And yeah, I mean, I mean, I was a hippie and, yeah. and it was make love, not war. And it was the mo- it was I can't believe that I got to live through that time. It was it was really extraordinary. Yeah. Um, so now coming into this, having not grown up through that, facing this period in time as it is. How do you feel? Do you feel a call to action? Do you feel? Do you feel that you have to do something? Are you apathetic? What? 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 I, I do, but I feel it. It's um, it's a little overwhelming. I feel mm-hmm. uh, in a weird. This is the wrong terminology. I feel like you guys were lucky. Mm-hmm. Like it, it seemed so much more doable mm-hmm. back then, mm-hmm. and you were able to also have the maintain the the summer of love at the same time. And right. I feel like it's so difficult to do that now mm-hmm. um for for a lot of reasons maybe uh, that's part of the solution though or to making us sane is maybe for us to create something like that that offsets all of this mm. um horrible shit yeah, but you well you were very you guys were very united in this one movement mm-hmm. and the, the the summer of love free love all like the hippie mm-hmm. movement whatever you want to call it like now all the good movements, I think, are, are very. All the good sp- movements are taken. Huh. Well, they're well, they're very they're spread thin. You know, yeah. everybody's uh, too many people um, 
want to do their own good and mm-hmm. then they'll think of a good idea and, and not that it's bad but now they're just doing this one thing rather than everybody joining in on the same thing and making it really strong i think we're going to find that's going to happen though i think we're going to i think i think it makes me cry to think about it but when i envision what saturday is going to look like throughout this country mm. not just in washington i'll be marching in la um i know sisters that are marching in new york that are marching in you know all kinds of cities uh, chicago people are marching all over the union and i cannot like it it's overwhelming to me to think of all these women and the men who are in support um hitting the streets for the first time in all of these years in such a humongous way. Yeah. Um, I think I think the numbers are going to be far greater than anybody anticipates. I, yeah, I, I think it will be an, an incredibly unifying thing that uh, it, the whole exa- country th- sees. Yes, and I yeah. think that's what's going to happen is I think once we take to the streets and have that communal feel experience, yeah. it's going to empower us to keep moving and to keep doing it. Yeah. You know, there are like marches every day. There's one on Inauguration Day against uh, uh, the Affordable Health Care, you know, repeal. There's mm. There's been marches Saturday and Sunday. There were marches. There, there were marches all the time. But I think they've been little and not well attended necessarily. Mm. But I think after Saturday, that's all going to change. Yeah. I think when we f- when we really see the power of what we can do. Yeah. Um, it's going to be, we're going to be really hard to ignore. Yeah. Um, and that, um, this conversation brings me to tonight's guest. And the timing just could not be more brilliant. And actually, it was orchestrated by a, the very smart man who's going to join us today, Will Durst. Um, Will is a five time Emmy nominee. He's been fired by PBS three times, nice. told jokes in 14 countries, racked up seven nominations for Stand Up of the Year and has 800-plus television appearances, including Letterman, HBO, Showtime, CNN, ABC, CBS, Fox, uh, Fox News, the BBC, and many, many more. The critically acclaimed off-Broadway run of his one-man show, The All-American Sport of Bipartisan Bashing, was subsequently turned into a book of the same name. His hobbies... <laughs> I love this. I got this from his site. His hobbies include pinball, the never-ending quest for the perfect cheeseburger, (laughs) and his heroes remain the same as when he was 12, Thomas Jefferson and Bugs Bunny. (laughs) (laughs) And not necessarily in that order. Will's performances are made possible by the First Amendment to the Constitution of the United States. And here's just a couple quotes about Will for those of you out there who might not be familiar. And I don't know how you could not be unless you've been living in a closet somewhere. The New York Times says, quite possibly the best political satirist working in the country today. The Boston Globe has said, a modern-day Will Rogers. The San Francisco Examiner said, heir apparent to Mort Saul and Dick Gregory, two of my personal heroes. The Los Angeles Times said, he's an equal opportunity offender with a restless mind and a delicious sense of language. When most comedians gives us attitude, Durst brings style and has one thing in common with the best, a sense of moral outrage. I could not pick a better day to have Will sit down with us and you guys will be hearing this post-March, post-inauguration, unless hell does freeze over and we don't have to live through any of that. Um, Please welcome Will Durst. Hey, Will, welcome to The Road Taken. Hey, Miss Abelson, how are you doing? Um, You know, 
I was just telling DJ, you know, normally I always give that standard answer. I'm okay. I'm good. I, I'm not so okay, and I'm not so good. Um, but um, but I'm very. I, know. I don't know how to feel. I don't know if I'm uh, anxious or scared or amazed or amused or worried or depressed or I have no. I'm every uh, one of those and all of those all at the same time. I I agree with you. The only one I'm not really feeling is the amused one. I'm I'm having a really hard time. In fact, DJ and I were just talking about signage for the for the march. I'm going to the march on Saturday, the one here in LA, and and I'm trying to come up with the. Per- you could probably give me a great signage. So the one I'm thinking of is um, I'm too terrified to be funny, and the other yeah. one is. Um, I can't believe I still have to march about this fucking shit, which uh, this woman in Poland uh, <laughs> was wearing, which I think is great. But um, but I really feel that way. It's like I am too terrified to think funny. I'm glad there's people like you who can still be funny. Thank God for that. Um, so you know the amazing thing is I've, I've been I've been uh, uh, performing, and I still haven't found my feet. I don't know where I'm at, but uh, people have been flocking. I mean, flocking wow. to to comedy shows, and even though you know, I still, uh, you know, it's it's kind of a work in progress. Mm-hmm. I have jagged chunks, and I'm <laughs> trying to put together a mosaic. And people come up afterwards, and they say, "Oh, thank you. I never thought I'd laugh again." Wow. You know, so it's 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 like we're performing a public service. We're we're like uh, therapists, you know, guiding people through their PTSD, their post Trump stress disorder. <laughs> But, you know, especially especially comics like you, and not that there are a lot of comics like you, but a, you, you are a, a true political satirist in, in the very best sense of the word. And I, I was just reading, you know, reading it in your intro, but, but it's really true. I mean, Mortsall is one of my heroes. One of the happiest days of my life was he followed me on Twitter. Why? I do not know. I don't care. I never want to <laughs> know the truth. I never want to know. I just, it was a very, very happy day for me because I, I really uh, just admire the hell out of him. And anyway, but you, you're very much in, in that vein and you are able to find the funny um, when things are scary. And we're going to talk a lot more about this before we get to like current events and what's going on and your feelings about all this. And, and you're going to, of course, leave us with a laugh. Oh, please leave us with a laugh. But for what I'm really curious about there aren't a lot of people like you. How does this happen? Okay, so so you're little Willie Durst, and you're where'd you grow up, Will? Uh, Wisconsin, uh, <laughs> outside of Milwaukee, a bunch of places. I went to like 14 different schools before I graduated from high school. Then I went mm. to UWM, mm-hmm. University of Wisconsin, Milwaukee. I didn't go to Madison because <laughs> at the time Madison was a party school, and I I, I didn't need to double down if you. Okay, me. all right. So wait before so before you get into college, you, when you're a little kid. Are you funny? You're clearly always smart. We got that. I'm figuring you were pro. When did you realize you were funny? Well, humor was a currency in our household. Mm. I have a brother who's developmentally disabled, and so he couldn't uh, get involved in the conversation, but you could make Marky laugh, Mm. you know, and that would make him part of the dinner table. You know, I mean, he felt like he was... So making Marky laugh either with faces or repetition, and my dad had a real kind of dry sense of humor. Mm-hmm. So I think that was that was a big, I think that was a big part of it. And I always, 
I always wanted to be a comic. You know, I, my mom used to let me stay up, uh, watch the Carson show, mm. because in the Central Time Zone, of course, it's at 10.30, so ah. it's not as, you know, child-endangering as uh, 11.30. So, I had a bad I mom. She let me watch it. I, I liked uh, the... The edgy ones, you know. I so, t- liked, so uh, tell Alan me, King. I was going to say, tell me some of your your heroes. Go ahead. Oh, I loved Alan King. Oh God, yeah. But Alan King wasn't as much late night uh, as my memory was. More Alan King was like Ed Sullivan. I seem to recall, but yeah, but uh, during Watergate, especially. Oh well, that's uh, later. I wasn't a little kid then. You must be younger than me. No, 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 no. Um, I uh, graduated from high school in 1970. Okay. All right. So, all right. Well, yeah. so Watergate. Was, you know, we're we're older then. We're, yeah, we're not little Jan kids Murray. watching. I mean, oh there God, were, there yeah. were all these guys. You yeah. know, Richard Pryor was mm-hmm. making kind of uh, you know baby steps and Carlin too, mm-hmm. and you know, just I heard about Lenny Bruce. I was going to say, did you did were you did did you know about Mort Saul and Lenny Bruce and? I did, but I was kind of uh, shackled by being in Milwaukee. I wasn't <laughs> able to, you know, uh, they didn't have a lot of nightclubs. It was one of the first places that lost the nightclubs. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I listened to records. Mm-hmm. Fire Science Theater was a big influence. Absolutely. Do you remember that was the week that was? I used to love that show. I do. Oh, I man. remember that was the week that was had a show on Friday, November 22nd, 1963. Oh, my God. I know. How do you remember that? I oh. Uh, I, was, I was into comedy. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd watched the show. I had heard that, you know, I'm, I'm uh, what, 11 years old, mm-hmm. and I had heard that it was a big hit in Britain, mm-hmm. and and David Frost brought it over here, mm-hmm. and I remember that. And... and uh, Remember that and theme the song that was the week? That, I mean, I can, like, picture it so clearly, like it was yesterday, almost. Um, well, I went to the Museum of Broadcasting in New York, and I watched some old episodes. Oh, there. wow. I imagine, I imagine now you could probably get it on DVD. So. You probably can. You can probably, like, so, you could probably just watch them on YouTube or something. <laughs> um, how about, did, did you, were you, I was a huge Smothers Brothers fan. Did you watch the Smothers Brothers? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And when they had their... Uh, kind of reprise show, like uh, in the eighties, I actually got to appear on one. Oh, it was, nice! It was like one of the highlights of my career. Yeah. Wow, wow, yeah, that, yeah. Uh, um, Dicky also followed me on Twitter. The, you, Twitter can be a very happy, joyous place for things like that. <laughs> um, I actually just met. Uh, I had met before, but got to spend uh, time having a lot of conversation with David Steinberg on New Year's Eve. That was one of the greatest joys of my life. David oh, Steinberg wow. was a huge... Uh, did he, like, do something on the Smothers Brothers? That, wasn't he responsible for, like, the bit that got them canceled? I, I think it was David Steinberg who, like, did the piece that, that was the axe. But um, anyway, okay, the so... Fin- the final straw. The final straw. So, okay, so so you... you you were already smart. Okay, okay. So you were were you a great student? Was that already like a given for you? You know what? I kind of triangulated uh, stand-up comedy. I I got into like uh, theater mm-hmm. in in because I broke my foot. I was an athlete, and then broke my foot, so I couldn't go out for sports for a year. So mm-hmm. I got into theater, and uh, I never looked. And then I was in journalism, mm-hmm. and I wrote a column for the high school newspaper and the college newspaper. 
And then our little underground uh, newspaper, you know, like the Bay Guardian of Milwaukee. It mm-hmm. was called the Bugle American. So I wrote a column for them, a humor column. And uh, I was acting, you know, musical comedies. And, I was going to say, like, what? Like, tell me a couple parts you played. This is great because I never picture you that way. Oh, I was Nathan Detroit. Nice. In Guys and Dolls, nice. and I, 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 my, my roommate and I, because we left, we left high school a semester early, mm-hmm. and uh, he and I kind of got a place together, and he and I auditioned for. West Side Story, and we were the, out of a hundred people who auditioned, he and I were the last two up for action, and he got it, and oh. I got Snowflake, because he could dance. I could sing, but he could dance. Uh. Yeah, so that, that still pisses me off to this day. <laughs> but then he became a ballet dancer, so. Oh, come on. Really? Seriously, Not yeah. that there's he anything wrong with Milwaukee it, it's just that's, and wow. And he went to Stuttgart, and, yeah. Well, that's that's an okay person to lose the part to. Then 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 it's kind of yeah. You I know. Get, you I, c- I couldn't dance that well, you know. <laughs> well, okay, that's. But I I, I kind of triangulated. You know, I was used to being on stage. It was mm-hmm. no big deal. And then I was writing stuff and humor. And Woody Allen, of course, was a big oh, God, uh, yeah. influence, mm-hmm. especially his stand-up that double album. Mm-hmm. And and then I uh, I did my first gig. Uh, a teacher of mine at University of Wisconsin, Milwaukee, he had a performance class. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, do anything you want. So I created like a little nightclub atmosphere. I don't know if you remember back then we were able to smoke. And so he had those stamped tin ashtrays. In the Hell yeah. Unit. I used to smoke in class. That was crazy. Yeah. And I, and I brought those into the classroom mm-hmm. and I bought a case of beer <laughs> and I sold the beer for, uh, I think, <laughs> Uh, 50 cents a bottle or something. Nice. So I created like a little nightclub and mm-hmm. I did my first stand-up routine and I made money. I made like a, a buck 40 on, on the gig. You know, this is crazy because your story is almost identical to Mike Nesmith who did like the same thing with music and did the same thing at his first gig. He did like a similar thing. That's really crazy. Okay, so now what, how did you... How did you start to construct jokes? Like how did you figure... Did you tell jokes or were you a story... How did you, how did you figure that out? Well, first, uh, I took all the funny parts from my humor columns, mm-hmm. and I tried to weave them into a monologue. And I had, I had tried comedy before. Uh, I did a duo act in high school for the, uh, for the talent show and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I kind of had a, a vague idea how, how it should go. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, yeah, I just uh, I filled it with old jokes. Uh, one of my first jokes was, uh, what does a snail say when he rides on the back of a turtle? Wee. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, it was it was crazy. It was, uh, but then I had an act, and they had an open mic in Milwaukee on uh-huh. a Monday night. This was what year is and this? And like? I went I went down to the Rusty Nail Monday night yeah. on November fourth, nineteen seventy four. Seventy four. Okay. And uh-huh. I was. Because I had a little stage presence mm-hmm. and I had some material, I was, I was one of the better ones out of the out of the bunch of people who went up, you know. And did you have like when I started? I did it for a really short time, but I had like five minutes. Like when I first started, I had five minutes. That's all I had. Um, did you like? Did yeah, you? Yeah, that's all anybody yeah. has yeah, when yeah, they yeah. start. Yeah. Okay. So you had your five. And then you do that five, and you do that five, and then and then it becomes seven. Mm-hmm. 
just because you find stuff inside and then it grows and you you pump it up and then you have you only have seven minutes on stage and you have to figure out your best seven right so yeah so were you always leaning towards the what was your major in college were you a a performance major what theater was... journalism broadcasting and film wow that's but a... we had our our version of prop uh, thirteen in uh, Wisconsin so we lost uh we didn't we never had any film equipment it was all theory uh-huh. and the dean finally called us in and all the the film majors and said uh you may have noticed that we don't have any cameras <laughs> uh well we're not going to get any uh, so, so he said you could develop your own major but i never really graduated i just i just uh, went to college for like 7 years uh, n- nice so Okay, so you're you're in college. You're already you're doing your your little you're not little. You're doing your stand up while you're in there. You're figuring that out. And so, what made you not gra- like? When did it start to become a career that you were making? Did, did you have any other job? Did you ever have a job job? I had a hundred and eight jobs. I oh, counted wow. them all up. They're <laughs> all on my website. Uh, yeah, I was a waiter. I was a busboy. Mm-hmm. I was a bartender, I was a desk clerk, I was a, a bellboy, I was a valet, a car valet, I worked on a sod farm. Oh my. Uh, yeah, I, I drove a 22-foot step van on short hauls. Wow. Uh, when I came to San Francisco, I was a pedicab driver on Fisherman's Wharf. I was an assistant at a steamship company. I was an assistant manager at a Radio Shack. As assistant manager at a Pizza Hut, yeah, <laughs> I love it, it. It goes on and on and on. Okay, now yeah. while you're doing all these jobs, are are you doing stand up through this whole thing? Yeah, you're doing stand up. Yeah, and when do you realize? Yeah, Seventy four. Yeah. I've been working and working. The thing is, in Milwaukee, there mm-hmm. weren't a lot of opportunities. I would drive down to Chicago mm-hmm. to because they had a couple of uh, clubs, mm-hmm. and uh, as soon as they found out I was from Milwaukee, they put me on first or last. So. I could never get any traction. Mm. So uh, I remember the month before I left Milwaukee, I'd been on stage, I think, like four times. And the first week I was in San Francisco, I was on stage eight times. I love that. And it was like comedy Valhalla. I love that. So, And were you political from the start? Was that your bent from the beginning? Yeah, I, w- I didn't date a lot, so I couldn't do relationship humor. And also, <laughs> uh, if you remember that time, you're not old enough. But, I'm 61. Uh, that time, everything, everything was political. Yeah. Your haircut was political. Your yeah. blue jeans were political. It was Vietnam. It was right. Watergate. You know, mm-hmm. it was. Yeah. So everything was political. So I, I started out dabbling in political stuff and a lot of stuff in Milwaukee, and then I came out to San Francisco and thought I would write stuff on San Francisco like I did about Milwaukee, mm-hmm. but people weren't that interested in San Francisco stuff, but they dug the political stuff. It, I was actually in San Francisco. I remember getting the San Francisco newspaper the day that Nixon resigned. It was in, yeah, it was, that was 74, right? I, I have the paper. And, August uh, 8th, I think. Yeah, it was, I, it was that summer, and I was up there for, yeah, wow. <laughs> so now, okay, so you're doing stand-up in San Francisco, and... How 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 long does it take you? How does the money start to come? When does that start to happen for you? Well, I got paid a couple times in Milwaukee, and that's one of the reasons that I left was I had three gigs on New Year's Eve. Wow. Uh, 
December 31st, 1978, and it snowed 15 inches, <gasps> and all three gigs were canceled. And I was so pissed. Oh. And that's one, one of the reasons why I moved to San But San Francisco, it just took forever. You know, like anytime you move, mm-hmm. it, it takes um, uh, two years for them to learn how to right. pronounce your name. And, yeah, of course. You know, it, yeah, if you moved to New York, if you moved to L.A., mm-hmm. and San Francisco was a I just kept plugging away. Mm-hmm. And then um, I decided to repeat a little stunt I had done in Milwaukee. Hmm. In Milwaukee, there was a radio station that had uh, a contest, a kissing contest. <laughs> so me and my girl at the time, Patty Finn, we kissed for, I don't know, 14 hours straight. Oh, stop. You know, No, I'm serious. <laughs> And How'd you go to the bathroom? How, come on, we, somebody. We didn't ha- win. We came in second. Oh my God! So <laughs> in San Francisco, <laughs> I I decided to do this stunt, and uh, I made up a, a, a record mm-hmm. for telling continuous joke telling, and I said I want to break it. And I went to this club owner. He said, Yeah, all right, because he he had a, a club. It was the other cafe on the corner of Carl and Cole. Mm-hmm. And there was a, it was a coffee shop during the day. It opened at 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I started at 6 a.m. telling jokes, and I set a world's record, 16 hours and 44 minutes. Holy and I didn't shit. And I didn't make the, uh, the Guinness Book because <gasps> they got a little publicity, and some guy down in L.A. heard about it, oh. and he broke my record, no. so he got into the Guinness no. Book. Oh. Yeah, but I got, a, I got a little publicity in San Francisco. I remember Van Amberg, who was uh, uh, the CBS newscaster. He, he was the anchor. He followed uh, the little clip of me setting the record. He said, Will Durst, not a man you'd want to sit next to on a bus ride to New York. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, that was the publicity I got. <laughs> That's perfect. I love it. <laughs> That's but hysterical. But I called up a club owner and I said, hey, I'm going to be famous next week. Why don't you hire me as the MC oh. at the punchline? And he said, yeah, all right. And wow. I never looked back. Wow. Okay, so now so you're making some bread doing that. So when are you actually giving up the day job and you're able to just, how long did it take? How many years did it take till you're just to you're a comic, full-time comic? Um, well, it was April of 81 that mm-hmm. I quit my, my temp job mm-hmm. and uh, I got... I was middle act at the Last Unlimited in Sacramento, and uh, I never looked back. It was a week-long gig, and then I just started making phone calls. And San Francisco, you know, during the time... Did you come up with, like, Robin like a, Williams and, and that whole contingent, or was that the same time, or no? Yeah. yeah. Well, Robin, Robin um, had started doing improv. My mm-hmm. wife's an improviser, mm-hmm. Debbie Durst, and she, she worked with Robin had a place called the Spaghetti Jam in like 75, 76, 77, mm-hmm. uh, before he got uh, Mark and Mindy. Mm-hmm. And so she knew him when he was the funniest guy in the room, right? not the funniest guy in the face of the planet. You know, so well, they but, were good buds. My husband worked with him at the comic, did improv with him at the comic strip in New York, but that was a little bit later. It was like the very early 80s. But he, he, it was before he was Mork from Ork, I think. I'm pretty sure. Yeah? I think. I think I think that happened. Had it happen yeah, already? Yeah, right around 70, 80, oh, okay. yeah, eighty one maybe. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, okay. So so who who did you come up with? And so who was who was hot in San Francisco with you in those days? Oh, Bobby Slayton mm-hmm. and uh, uh, who all was here? 
Um, well, Bobcat Goldthwaite came a little later. Paula Poundstone came a little mm-hmm. later. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they all came about 81, 82. Um, Kevin Meany was here. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was uh, Dr. Gonzo, Stephen Pearl, Steve Kravitz. So that was a real uh, it, scene because, I mean, by that time in New York, comedy was huge. I mean, the brick walls were huge. It was... And was it that way in San Francisco? I don't know because I, I, you know, that wasn't my, you know, was it was comedy like going to a comedy club the big thing back then? Because it was in New York for sure. About eighty five or eighty six was when it really started. I mean, it was electric. You would go mm-hmm. to the clubs, and we were like a little mini rock stars. You know, there was a, a radio was big. Radio had comics on it, mm-hmm. and we had we just had a, a great time. And they, you know everybody was buzzed. Uh, it was it was the same rock and roll generation, but they wanted to sit down and hear the lyrics. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and cable kind of created yeah. comedy in all the clubs mm-hmm. because they found out how cheap we were to produce. You didn't mm-hmm. have to pay music fees or writers because comics were self-contained. Mm-hmm. So that, I think cable had a lot to do with it. I, I think you're absolutely right. And oh my God, how many talk show appearances have you done? What, what was your first? Uh, what was your first late night talk show? Well, I did Letterman once, mm-hmm. and I got in trouble. Uh, what happened? Yeah, uh, it was a semantics problem. They told me to cool the political material, and I thought they said the political material is cool. Oh, so it was. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was it was a little more complicated than that. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. What, what the, year the was producer, that? I I thought the producers cleared my set because he had uh-huh. seen me the night before, and then he said, "Oh, you didn't do that at the set," but I had. Hmm. I had done the set exactly, but he was he was too busy uh, with the waitresses. He was interested in two things, and they were both called blow. <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah, I hear you. Okay, so so from there, though, you did a ton of appearances on Comedy Central, HBO, Showtime, all this stuff. What what was the what what for you was the the pivotal like shift for you, like career recognition, TV appearance where now people like are recognizing you and know who you are? And when did that happen for you? I'm still waiting for it. No, no, stop. uh, I'm one of those people who don't give up. No. no, I'm I'm still doing it, you know. As a matter of fact, there's a there's a documentary feature that uh, just hit Amazon Prime. It's called Three Still Standing, oh. and it's about uh, three comics from the Bay Area who never moved to L.A. Mm-hmm. And you know, we were here in the in the uh, you know, halcyon days, and uh, but we're still doing it, even though we're not incredibly famous. Well, you're not incredibly famous, but you're certainly very well known. I mean, anybody who is a a comedy enthusiast in, uh, absolutely <laughs> knows who you are. Come on. Um, I love your attitude. It's and the truth. To God's ear. Okay, so now tell 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 us a little bit, bit about the all American sport of bipartisan bashing. What, what how what was the the origin of that? How'd that happen? Um. It was a, a producer named Eric Krebs, an off-Broadway producer in New York, and he he kind of 
I write a column every week. It's, it kind of gets syndicated mm-hmm. uh, through something called Kago Cartoons, and he was on my list. And at the end of the Bush administration, he was uh, interested, so he he put put me up in New York, and it was supposed to be a six-week run, and we ran for four months, and we got killed by the stagehand union strike. Oh, but shit. Uh, Otherwise, we were doing good, yeah. And that that was good, so I decided I have to get out of the clubs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't have my act... Uh, you know, I can't follow the guy who's talking about uh, the giant genitals, you know, and, <laughs> and you know, there's a lot of fluid jokes, and <laughs> they don't want to hear the political comedy after that. Mm-hmm. So th- that was always a problem. Mm-hmm. And and uh, so I, I, I used the whole uh, the bipartisan bashing thing as an entree, and I, 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 I did a show called The Lieutenant Governor from the State of Confusion, <laughs> and then I did a show called Elect to Laugh in 2012, and then Boomer Raging about being a boomer, and then I did Elect to Laugh again, and I thought I'd have to go back to another boomer show after the election, mm-hmm. because in 2012, people did not want to hear about politics, but mm. now... Now I think they do. You are so in vogue right now. You are you are going to be, I predict, the hottest comic working. Uh, for the God, <laughs> unfortunately, you will be. You know, it should come for a different reason. But um, I think I think a lot of people are going to be turning to you. Um, I have no doubt about it. Um, so well, my prediction is I'll have two years of great material, two years of running and hiding, and then eight to ten years of re-education camp at a Montana <laughs> gulag. <laughs> or you might be in prison by then. That could that yeah. could certainly happen. Or yeah, yeah sent off to Siberia. <laughs> One or the other. <laughs> Siber- you know, Siberia is going to be. They're going to be our friends. So you know, the Trump will be sending people over to Siberia. They'll be like this. What is that called when there's that agree? Yeah. Anyway. All right. So let's get to today, Will. So. So, ta- so, so make me feel better. So, uh, uh, Evan Handler was here a couple weeks ago, and he was saying that he doesn't think that we're in for four bad years or eight bad years. He thinks things are ruined for the rest of our lives, and that was way too dark for me to even wrap my head around. I refuse to go there. But tell me what you're thinking. It's entirely here. possible. Oh God! It's, it's entirely possible. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm. Uh, uh, guarded. I I I find it hard to be optimistic. Yeah. So how but we'll find out. We'll live through it. You know. How so? How are you funny through this? Can you do you have do you have like a do you have a joke of the day that 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 works for this that uh, cheers people up in the midst of this horror? Well, I'm just waiting for Friday when he puts his hand out of the Bible and then bursts into flames. <laughs> oh, so are you going to watch? We got a 50-50 shot of that. Yeah, that's our last best hope. Are, are you going to watch the inauguration? I have to. Yeah, yeah, I'll watch it so you don't have to. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Because, yeah, because yeah, I can't. I know. But yeah, I can't. I know. I can't do it. Is your is your wife going to be marching on Saturday? Yeah, Friday or Saturday. I can't remember which. Well, Saturday's like there's, the... There's a couple. Yeah, there are a couple. Yeah. There, there's the Friday one, but the, the Saturday is the big women's, uh, million women's march everywhere. And um, so, so tell us your Did thinking. Did you knit a hat? I, I didn't knit one personally, but I just got my knitted pink pussy hat yesterday. Yes, I have. Oh, you got your hat? I've got my hat. I've got my oh, hat. Cool. I told you I'm working on my signage. You know, this, I, I'm, still, I'm still caught up with it. Maybe, maybe something will come from tonight. So, so... So tell us how to get through this, Will. It's it's uh, just about facing forward. 
uh, and paying attention. And I think people get a little blasé, you know, since, uh, I don't know. The 60s? I don't we were just talking ever, about I, that. We've never had an authoritarian before, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he's going to suspend rights and, and pack judges, and he could fire the Supreme Court. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. Be, could be incredible, or he could be emasculated. You know, I mean, maybe the maybe the Republicans won't work with him. I don't know. What's your What's your Do you have a gut? A, a, do you think Do you think he's going to possibly get through four years without being impeached or without quitting? Or do you think it's even uh, possible? Because he has to be impeached by the by the uh, House. Mm-hmm. And uh, if he if he pisses off enough Republicans, it could probably happen. But I mean, do you I think it's even know. possible that he know. can on behave? On a one to ten scale, it could be a two. It could be a fourteen. You know, <laughs> I just don't see how it's possible for him to behave uh, within the law. I I don't see how it's even possible for him to do that. It would have been nice to get a look at his uh, tax record. Would have been nice, right? Would have been. I, I keep waiting for that miracle where they're going to say, "Okay, the whole election, you know, is is bogus. This whole Russian connection. We we are going to start all over. Barack stay in office for another year. We're going to have another election, and we're going to start from scratch." Because I'm not sure that that Trump gets impeached and Pence is such a gift to us. Um, no, you're right. Right. So that's right. almost like, as scary. He's, yeah, he's impeachment insurance. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's true. So, so what, Will Durst, for you, what does this look like? Uh, all of this is going on. So now your job is more important than ever, kind of. It is because. Well, you know what happened. You know what happened during the Bush, the second Bush administration, right after Katrina, mm-hmm. was uh, uh, every comic in America, and this happened. You know, at Clinton's second term, during the Monica Lewinsky days, mm-hmm. you know, where every two-bit hack in America took his dick jokes and turned them into presidential <laughs> dick jokes and was a, was a political comic, uh-huh. you know, and the same thing and the same thing happened at the end of uh, Bush's second administration. People couldn't help themselves. I mean, comics are, are normally smart people. You have to be, and they... Right. And and it just spewed out of, uh, I mean, people who, you know, I mean, are not normally political comics became mm-hmm. political comics. Right. Because they couldn't help themselves. And I, I think the same thing is going to happen. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think that's very accurate. But you sincerely are one. You have the background. This is, this is, this is where you live. So you got you got you got you got it all over these these clowns who are going to be stepping into your territory you you were made for this but it's 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 hard to get a handle on yeah. you know trump i mean trump uh the the finding the joke he is the joke yeah. the joke is donald trump is president <laughs> of the united states that's the joke the rest is farce you know yeah so do you have do you have trump material what what's your trump material what do you, what do you got what do you got <laughs> oh jeez, uh, what do I have? Give me one. Uh, let me look at my okay. notes here. Uh, I'm serious because we need to laugh. We need you to help head. us laugh well, through this. Well, I have the bright sides. I have the bright sides. Okay, good. Let's Donald hear the Trump bright presidency. sides. Good. Uh, a full a full employment act for Alec Baldwin. <laughs> I love that uh, Alec pisses him off yeah, so much. Isn't that uh, fabulous? First time ever, teenage boys. We'll collect photos of the first lady. 
and look at them <laughs> under a blanket with a flashlight one-handed. White nationalists were able to rechristen themselves as the alt-right because Nazis is, uh, you know, so unbranded. <laughs> Uh, the California Secession Movement picks up steam. George W. Bush moves up a notch in presidential <laughs> historical rankings. <laughs> and finally, you will be forgiven for developing a drinking problem during the day at work as a school bus driver. <laughs> oh, that excellent. Perfect. Okay, well, so I have a last question for you before we go. Um we end this show each uh, each week by asking, I ask my heroes uh, to humanize you somewhat. Do you have a guilty pleasure? Is there anything that you indulge in, uh, food, watching, listening, anything that you hope nobody knows or what sees you do? Is there anything that, uh, do you have a guilty pleasure? Mur- murder, she wrote. Oh, really? Oh, that's a good one. Now, now, why, why is that? Why, did, why, why do you like it and why do you think it's something to feel guilty about it? <laughs> well, I love Angela Lansbury. I don't oh, know yeah. what it is. I love my my wife's guilty pleasure is Law and Order. She finds mm-hmm. it comforting. It's like you know, white noise that resolves. I used to be Perry Mason. Oh God, me too. Uh, but, yeah, because yeah. it was you know good always triumphed and they it always resolved. I can't stand these shows that are like. You know, if you miss the first four of them, you're out of the loop. <laughs> and I, I don't have that kind of time. You know, you know but the whole well, bin- I would have to say murder, she wrote. The, the whole binging thing, though, I'm all for the binging. Like, now that I've gotten hip to this Netflix kind of Amazon Prime thing, I can't go back to real TV anymore. It's over for me. Because now I want the instant gratification, Carrie Fisher said, takes too long. And it's true. It's like, you know, I don't want to have to wait a week to know what's going to happen next. I want it all. At, I watched Breaking Bad in three days without moving. That's the way TV should be viewed. All five of them? All five seasons? I, 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 it was more than three days. I, I, I'd say it was about five days. I literally did not get out of bed. I just watched the whole <laughs> thing through. And, and I, I, I mourned. I was in t- a total mourning when it was over. I couldn't bear it. Um, I felt that way uh, just recently. I watched The Fall. Have you seen The Fall on Netflix? No. I cannot recommend it highly enough. It's uh, Gillian Anderson from the X-Files. It's the sexiest. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, most, dis- it's, it's so dark. It is so dark, but um, really fantastic. But anyway, it's not as fantastic as you, Will Durst. Oh, Th- you're so sweet, Ms. Abelson. Thank you so much. Thank you this so. It's been a lot of fun. It's been fabulous. And, and, and thank you for doing this, this particular point in time uh, when it's really meaningful. And I myself am going to be looking to you for those laughs because God knows I'm going to need them. Thank you so much. We'll keep us laughing. I, I will do my best. Thank you. Take care. Thanks so much. So, DJ, um, what you think? You know, that was one of my favorite shows that we've done. Will, uh, he, he's like on it, he's fast, he's moving, he's funny, mm-hmm. he's thoughtful, uh, he listens, you know, it was a real conversation. Um, thinking about the takeaway, you know, like it wasn't so much focused on Will and his, his, his journey, although we did, mm-hmm. we did talk about all of that as much as like just who he is at his core. And so for me, the takeaway with Will is be true to yourself. Like it's like he honed in on 
Yeah. His he, thing. He picked his thing, yeah. Right? He knew what his thing was in high school. Mm-hmm. And he just honed the shit out of it. Yep. And he did whatever he had to do to keep doing it. So he spent all those years doing 108 different jobs. Yeah. And right. And that was hysterical. Yeah. And then, you know, he had to start all over when he went from Milwaukee to, to San Francisco. He had to start from the basically from the beginning and work his way up. It yep. took a couple of years. And then, you know, doing TV and it didn't quite, you know, catch immediately. And he had and he still, as he says it, isn't a household name. He's not a household name. I mm-hmm. think he's a lot more known than he thinks he is. Yeah, I um, agree. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, but he doesn't have like the huge famous name. But you know something? Yeah. I I really predict that everybody's going to know who Will Durst is in the next four years well, because he, we, need, we need him yeah. now. Um, and, and anyone in the political, you know, him, Bill Maher, anybody that does the political aspect i think and they're as, all gonna be blown up and he's gonna be definitely at the forefront of that and, and as will was saying that comics that do relationship stuff and all this other stuff are all of a sudden now everybody's going to become a political comic because mm. what else can we think about yeah, and now? they haven't been honing that like you but said exactly he has. they they have this hasn't been their thing for the last how many years yeah. it is will's thing he gets it i mean just that little mm. list he did yeah. um at the end was yeah. just fantastic yeah. so i have a feeling we're going to be hearing a lot we're going to be seeing a lot of will mm-hmm. he's going to be asked to guest on a lot more shows now he's going to come to the forefront we're going to be reading him yep. and if you're not following him on twitter do that thing um but uh, I, I loved every minute of that. And I have to say, this may be the first time I've laughed about anything to do with, with this whole situation. <laughs> Other than watching um, Alec on Saturday Night Live. And even that, you know, I laugh and, and, and I think he's doing a great job. But it's, it's too close to, it, it's too real for me. Yeah. It, it kind of upsets me at the same time that it makes me laugh. It's like I... I really don't want to give him any energy. It's like I don't want to say his name. I don't want to acknowledge that he exists. It's like, uh, you know. So anyway, um, thank you, DJ, for another great show. And to all you out there, um, we'll see you next week, um, uh, starting on Tuesday, but running all week and uh, on The Road Taken. A new show every Tuesday, available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, and on the corner of Hollywood and Vine where I'll be using a bullhorn. Well, you can also get links to all this and more at VickiAbelson.com. That's V-I-C-K-I-A-B-E-L-S-O-N. Please follow, subscribe, review, lather, rinse, repeat. Till next Tuesday. And mine and binge our archive while you're at it. It's rich with information, inspiration, and fun, damn it. Thanks for listening. And if you like to watch, keep your eyes peeled for our next Facebook Live.